We talk with Bob Brown about progressive science fiction and his vision for BQ Press. And along the way, he shares a story of how to get kicked out of a Democratic caucus. tell you, um, we did alternative truth, and we said we uh, liked it, and we did more alternative truth. People liked it. There's a lot of enthusiasm or support in our writers, and they want to do this. Uh, and so we have B-Cubed. We're committed to putting out solid commentary on the world we live in. We've got stories coming out. I'm, I'm sitting here looking at you. You're hugging your six-year-old daughter. Uh, and uh, someday, Olivia is going to uh, have her own daughter, and I hope that when she has her own daughter, or you have your own daughter that, or son, that you will be able to pick up one of our future volumes where we are talking about alternative uh, children's stories. So many of the children's stories that are out today with grew of uh, Victorian era, it, it, they're not near as relevant to it. So we're looking at putting together a set of uh, children's stories, bedtime stories, uh, for progressive parents that are not going to uh, worry so much about the labels and get into the story so that every child, when read to it, can find themselves in that story, and every parent can read it without fear of assigning a label or an unintended label to that child. Uh, we are having alternative amendments a series that is going to look at the choices of uh, amendments and what are the impacts of the amendments. So what's driving you to do this? I, I was once kicked out of a Democratic convention. I had been uh, a secretary in the local party and uh, been active. I had been on the school board for 12 years in a very conservative community. But I, I stuck with what I called a value system, a core value. It said, your principles cannot be situational. You can't say that, well, this one is a comfortable principle because it fits, but this is an uncomfortable principle because it doesn't. And uh, I had uh, was in that position, and I had looked at, again, I'll go back to the gay marriage, uh, or I, I know that's not the marriage equality is the appropriate term, but uh, your, your listeners will forgive me for being an old man. Uh, marriage equality. And uh, the uh, I looked at that and I said, the way I read the Constitution, all people are entitled to equal protection under the law. So if you have equal protection under the law, then... Any legal regulation of processes have to provide for equality. Mm -hmm. And with that, I lobbied for a plank for marriage equality mm -hmm. in the local Democratic platform, and this was back in the 80s. Okay. Uh, marriage equality was not a hot topic yet. It was a fringe perspective. Um, so there was nothing to be had about it. I did not know that this platform scared the heck out of my local Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. They did not want me because I've been told I can be a little bit of a salesman, but I'm, I'm not that much of a salesman, but I, I have passion. And they did not want me standing on the floor of that convention making the principled argument as opposed to the political reality. Mm, okay. And I walked into the convention and they said, Bob, uh, we're not going to be able to uh, let you talk. And I said, why? They said, this group here has challenged your credentials. Now I'm an office holder in the local party, uh -huh. but I live in a place where is rural. And in that rural location, I was the only person in my precinct that showed up at the caucus, huh. and so therefore, I uh, my credentials were open to challenge, and they challenged my credentials, and uh, that and, and as they took me aside later and said, "Look, it's not that we don't 
appreciate your work, your position, what you do, but we're just not ready for this yet. And so I had to say, then I'll be back when you're ready. Now, our country has made major shifts on a lot of these type of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is uh, the history books, or the ditches of history, <laughs> I will say, are full of people who had ideas that were before their time or uh, were pursuing things. You go back to... Uh, Do not uh, toss in a ditch of history, as I was wondering. <laughs> in the 80s. I mean, you have to go back and look at, uh, you know, in 1948, we established the state of Israel. Mm -hmm. The If you had said 100 years before that that was going to be a reality... Mm -hmm when there were 5,000 Jewish uh, citizens living in Palestine and they were mostly older scholars and the, uh, you know, the uh, reclamation of the land had not even begun. Right. And uh, one would have said no, but there were people in the world uh, that, were, that had a vision of that. And it took the slaughter of 90%, 99% of the Jews in Poland, it took the Holocaust, which was nothing more than a continuation of the hate and the violence that had plagued the Jewish people for 2,000 years, to force this action that resulted. I feel, so there's something that you're not saying here, and I think I'm gonna push a little bit more. So you you, you published this because you saw a need and you were, you were dissatisfied with what's happening around you. Mm -hmm. uh, you tapped into people around you who also had the same, same feeling. Mm -hmm. I would call this kind of book uh, a strategy of shining a mirror back at what's happening around you to the, to the to people in the society who, mm -hmm. who read it. Do you hope that by doing this that you'll affect some kind of change? In Absolutely. I think there's 92 reviews out from Alternative Truths out on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And the ones that I like the best are from people who style themselves as conservatives. Uh, that they, open, they expected this to be a, a hate-filled diatribe against conservatives, and it's not. Uh, I rejected most of those stories. This is merely an opportunity to reflect uh, on uh, what is the consequence of many of these decisions, many of these elements, and show them the consequence. Uh, that is where you can suddenly find that they will look at it. Because I'm not going to force a change on the mind of a conservative, mm. but if you force them to look face-to-face -face at it, mm -hmm. for example, the dreamers, DACA, mm -hmm. in, this, uh, in our current society, or our current debates, mm. suddenly when faced with the idea of taking that child that lives in the house next door that's been living there mm -hmm. for, uh, uh, since they were two years old and have no knowledge of any other country, and telling them that you're going to pick them up, drive them across the border on their 18th birthday, yeah. and put them um, in the streets of Mexico, or the streets of Guatemala, or El Salvador, you know, you're, you're kicking them out. Right. People are saying, wait a second, that's not the immigration that we wanted to talk about. That's not the immigration that we wanted to take on. Right. And so you force them to confront the consequences of these type of approaches, and it changes people. It does change their perspective. Now, there's going to be 25%, I mean, in uh, Illinois, an avowed Nazi, truly. I mean, where's the epaulets? got 20,000 votes in the Republican primary. Uh, he ran unopposed and collected 20,000 votes. There are elements in our society that will never change. Sure. But the war is for the middle. The war is for heart, the heartland of this country, where these are good people. They think, they work, they love their children just as much as I do. They, they can recognize that, wait a second, if that's the outcome of doing this, then I don't want to do this. And that's where I would leave it, as we're shining the light, saying, if you really want to do this, this is one of your outcomes. Is that what you really want? This is the last show in the series of conversations with Bob Brown and learning about B-Cubed Press. 
Bob Brown is an editor, writer, and publisher at BQ Press, and uh, he is working on progressive science fiction for those who want a fresh look at how the world around them could look like if things are not changed. This type of uh, science fiction is also part of a healthy uh, genre style called warning stories. And warning stories, they can be science fiction, they can be other genres as well, are types of stories which you read or enjoy, and you're given this feeling that if something doesn't change, this this picture which is painted could happen, and if you're not going to be happy with that, you should do something about your uh, situation. The classic examples of warning stories are The China Syndrome, which is a 1979 American disaster thriller about a television reporter and her cameraman who discovers safety cover-ups at a nuclear power plant. The film was released on March 16th, and 12 days later, there was the Three Mile Island nuclear accident. Another classic example is The Day After which uh, came out during the Reagan administration uh, in uh, 1983. And it's an ABC televised movie, which clearly showed no matter how much you prepared, the chances of surviving a nuclear war is quite unlikely. So go check out Bob's work at bcubedpress.com. That's the letter B, the word cubed, and then the word press. Next episode, we will talk with Neil Clark of Clark's World Magazine about his Kickstarter project on bringing science fiction from China into the U.S.